welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. It is Thursday night, and if you can hear my voice, you're exactly where you need to be. I am your host, Rick Hale. This is Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. Welcome. Um, unfortunately, tonight, Karen will not be joining us. Um, her baby boy has got himself a music concert that he is giving tonight at his school. So good luck to Tanner. He's a good kid. And... Um, you know, good luck to Karen with that. So, tonight we have got an outstanding show lined up for you, oh dear listener. Tonight joining us is going to be Linda Godfrey. Um, if you are not familiar with Linda Godfrey, then and you may have been living underneath a rock because she is the expert, the very expert on the Beast of Bray Road um, out of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, which is approximately uh, 30 to 35 minutes north of my house. We're going to be talking. Um, Strange places in Wisconsin. We're going to be talking uh, mysteries, UFOs, ghosts, and most importantly, the Beast of Bray Road, which reportedly is or was um, a werewolf. Uh, so we're going to get the um, get the skinny on the werewolf part of that. Um, it's always been a real fascination of mine um, with the werewolf. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I prefer a good werewolf movie over a va- uh, good vampire movie any day. Uh, I like the transformation. I like the idea of the tortured soul, and uh, there's um, you really can't mess up a werewolf. Even, you know, even the uh, Twilight movies failed on that aspect. But um, anyways, that is what we got for you guys tonight, and it's going to be a great show. So any of you who are friends on my Facebook page or on my esteemed colleague, Chuck, uh, Chucky, Chuck Godsky, Chuck G, who is the host after us, which is In the Dark Radio, um, this summer, in approximately two weeks, we are going to be filming the very first episode of our own web series called Eerie Events. Um, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, We're starting off in our own hometown, uh, just north of Chicago, Illinois. And I'm not going to tell you where it is that we're going to be. That is a surprise for you, but it is reportedly one of the most haunted places in, you know, the Chicagoland area. So I can't wait to see if we can find anything. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to film something good and offer everybody uh, a little eye candy. Uh, f- for them to watch, if, you know, we're going to be starting it on YouTube, of course, and moving it out from there. So, um, you know, just keep a lookout for eerie events. Probably sometime in uh, June or July will be the very first episode will finally be aired. So, Cheryl, are you there? Hi, Rick. Hello. Sorry for bringing you on, but I thought that I would bring you on to talk about the magazine a little bit. Um, sure. Uh, what is going on with the magazine? Well, we are still uh compiling our may issue and um that should be online in about a week and then available uh, for subscribers on our app in about a week after that and um we have a really uh exciting profile in the magazine and we usually do what can i say i mean it's not it's not due to me but it's due to our great writers and people who allow us to profile them but this month oh, we, will have, <laughs> we will have rosemary ellen guyley did i pronounce that right uh, you know what is it guyley love it's guyley okay yeah and i love her work leg- yeah she's a, she's a legend in the field of paranormal investigation and um excited to have a q a with her by author jenny gurney and um yeah so that's she's also um 
uh, our cover profile, so she will be gracing the cover of our May issue. Great. So that's exciting. Um, we have some other cool um, uh, new columns in addition to our current cool columns. Um, we're going to have Hollywood Ever After by Jill Marie Morris. And Looking then, forward to that one. Yep, Karen is doing a metaphysical call. Metaphysical column. I got excited with that one. And she's going to talk about all things uh, metaphysics, energy, light work, all things dealing with those subjects. And so we'll be rolling, we'll be concluding our standalone crystals and herbology column this month as well and rolling that um, into Karen's column called metaphysics and energy healing. So extremely good stuff on the horizon. And of course, we still have the dark corner with Chuck Gotsky and he does his series every month. And, uh, uh, Paul Green does his uh, the Psychic Biker series, which is pretty cool. And then we will have an article by our very own Rick Hale. Um, you didn't know this yet, but <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what are you talking about? No, we're going to be running your... Uh, and pr Please correct me. Uh, my pronunciation is off today, but G Goodleberg Cemetery. Cemetery. That's in our haunted sites. And it's kind of a tongue twister. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, so that's, that's an interesting one on that site. And then we have a special report from James Deeds on Ouija boards. And a lot more I mean, than that. But yeah. Okay, I I, I, I want to ask you your opinion on that. Sure. I think everybody knows my opinion that, you know, I don't use a Ouija board because I don't feel like dealing with the ornery ghosts of the Parker Brothers. But yeah. uh, <laughs> right. what, are, what are your thoughts concerning the Ouija board? Uh, my thoughts are, and it's funny because Rosemary Ellen Guiley even touched on the Ouija board in her Q&A, but I, 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 I follow her line of thinking, and that is that a Ouija board is really no different than an, an audio recorder or a ghost box or what have you and that mm -hmm. they are all tools that. to communicate with spirits and so right. really you're using them to open up some type of portal communication gateway whatever you want to call it and so really the Ouija, why would the Ouija board be any more different than the audio recorder that you hold in your hand and try and get EVPs with Right. See, yeah. and it, you know, I've 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 debated debated people on this, and I've mm -hmm. talked to people about this as well. Um, even if you don't really believe in psychic ability, which is uh, it's unthinkable to me, I don't understand that one at all. Mm -hmm. But um, even if you don't, anytime you pick up that voice recorder or you put your fingers on that planchette or whatever, or you mm -hmm. try to contact a spirit, even if you don't have psychic ability, you are still in effect the man in the gap. You are still the medium. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and. Um I think everybody has some type of psychic ability to some extent, even if it's just, um, a, a, you know, at a very low level because it's not been used or whatever. I think everybody has that. But um, but then there's the question about, okay, well, if you're using a Ouija board or something else, like an audio recorder, what's going on? Are you really opening up a communication path to spirits? Are you causing it yourself as a human agent? I mean, that's a whole nother topic. But I find it interesting. <laughs> so. Well, no, I do too. I mean, let, let's face it. The, you know, of, of course, the Ouija board, as we know it, has been around for, you know, 60, Long 75 time. years or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's Parker Brothers version. But any kind of divination tool, even a talking board, has been around for, you know, literally thousands of years. I mean, it's one of the oldest forms of divination, mm -hmm. um, which is a Ouija board type talking board. You right. Know? 
um, seances, um, you know, going back to the, you know, the oracles of Delphi. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's old. And um, I don't think that it's the... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to uh, go ahead and agree with Steve Gonzalez on this from Ghost Hunters. Okay, and um, he says that all this is. He, I watched this in a. Um, it was called 14 Degrees. It's by New Gravity Media. It's a great um, uh, documentary, and I really enjoyed okay. it a lot. And uh, he says that you know it's just like it's just a pressed cardboard board mm-hmm. with numbers and letters and pictures on it. He was like, it's not so much the board that is causing something to happen. It's you. Mm-hmm. That is putting your energy, your mm-hmm. thoughts, whatever, into this board and causing these things to happen. Right. So, I think it's the person, not the board. I could sit here with one of my uh, with one of my comic books on it and start like moving it around, like, oh yeah, some ghost talk to me, and who knows? I mean, considering <laughs> right. the fact that my basement is haunted, it's quite possible that it could happen. Sure. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Heck yeah. <laughs> so I. You know what, with that being said, I think what we're going to do is is we're going to take a break. We're about 15 minutes past the hour here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking werewolves, mystery sites, and other strange and sundry here on Paranormal Underground. We'll be talking that with um, Linda Godfrey. Um, Stick around, and uh, we'll be live. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Visit us today at ParanormalUnderground.net and get a 12-month digital subscription for 15% off the cover price. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. This is Karen Frazier, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, a paranormal memoir, my Wellington story continues. Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife or to read an excerpt from the book, visit DancingWithTheAfterlife.com. Thank you.
this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey everybody, welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. I am your host, Rick Hale. Uh, unfortunately, as I said at the start of the show, Karen will not be joining us tonight. She is at a band concert for her son, and uh, we wish them well. Um, so tonight joining us is Linda Godfrey, award-winning author of over a dozen books on strange creatures, people, and places, including... One of my favorite and most enduring legends is The Beast of Bray Road, as well as authors of Weird Michigan, Weird Wisconsin, Weird Wolfman, True Encounters in Modern America. Linda, what haven't you done? (laughs) Welcome to the underground. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, there's plenty I haven't done. Trust me. You're quite welcome. So we were talking a little bit about this before. I, of course, I want to cover the beast right away because it's one of my favorite cryptids, you know, like I said, considering the fact it's your, you know, Elkhorn is a few, you know, like 20, 30 miles away from me. But so the first time I ever heard about the Beast of Bray Road, I was sitting in my in my um, senior year in 1991, my civics, uh, sorry, current events class. And uh, the teacher, he knew what I was into. And he looked right at me before he read it, read this article. He's like, hail, this one is for you. And he goes into this big talk about how people are seeing werewolves and chasing werewolves just in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And um, how did you, I know you were just a, um, uh, a journalist at the time, uh, you know, working for a local newspaper. How did you get involved it, with the legend of the Beast of Bray Road? And what are your thoughts? Do you think that this is a real werewolf? Well, let me preface everything by saying that I don't believe in traditional Hollywood medieval-style werewolves, where you have Lon, Lon Chaney or um, Jack Nicholson or any anybody with a wolf pelt physically transforming their body, their, their, their DNA, their molecules into those of another species. You know, I just don't believe that's what's happening, and, and I never have from day one, and, and I still don't. Um, there may be other possible, quote-unquote, supernatural explanations, but that's not one of them, in my view. And, and that's just just after 21 years of getting reports and studying this thing. But, yeah, this happened back in uh, late or midwinter of 91-92. In fact, uh, the story ran on uh, New Year's Eve weekend of that the, that crossroads between 91 and 92. And I really had been uh, working there as a reporter uh, for a newspaper called The Week, kind of a news-slash-feature story type of paper that covered the entire county, based in Delavan, Wisconsin. And I had started there not because I wanted to be a reporter or because I was interested in writing stories about strange creatures, but because I wanted to be an editorial cartoonist. <laughs> okay. And, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> editorial yeah, contest to reporting on werewolves. Okay. Exactly. Well, my degree is actually in art education, and I had done some teaching, but my other goal at the time was to be um, a syndicated cartoonist of one kind or another, and I was sort of political at the time. I'm not anymore, really, but um, I was doing editorial cartoons, and um, 
first volunteered to do them for free, and then they started paying me eight whole dollars a week for an editorial. And this is not like it was nice. ages ago. I, I mean, it yeah. wasn't that long. It wasn't like in the, you know, really old times or anything. This was just, they weren't paying me much. But I loved it, and it was something that I wanted to do and, and get a portfolio. And one day the editor said, well, you know, um, I was talking to him, having our weekly chat about what I was going to do the cartoon on, and he said, well, uh, it'd be a lot easier if you worked here, and you know, one of our reporters just quit. Would you like to be a reporter? And he didn't know if I could even type. Um, I did know how to type, luckily, and I always have written. It's been, you know, something that I've has always been one of my stronger, stronger academic points. So I said, sure, how hard could that be? And little I did I know that it wasn't very long after I said that, that people around my own hometown of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, began uh, spreading rumors that there was a werewolf out on this two-mile stretch of country road called Bray Road, just east of town. Um, actually, nothing spooky. It had never been a spooky lane or anything like that. It was just kind of a connector road um, with old family farms connecting two county highways. And sure. a, sh- a lot of people use it for a shortcut to the hospital, and they still do. So it's not like it's any desolate wilderness by any means. But when I started checking around, I found out that people were indeed saying that this was going on out there, whether they'd seen it or not. Everybody seemed to know about it. And when I I went and looked up the county animal control officer, because I'd actually been working with him on another story about um, busting puppy mills in the area, and asked what he knew about it. And he, uh, I went over there, and he showed me, a manila file folder that he had and it was marked werewolf now and it was filled with the names and addresses and contact numbers and reports from people who'd been calling him and saying i saw this thing i don't know what it was but if there was such a thing as a werewolf this would have been it you know they would all describe basically the same animal and here's the thing when you have a county official with an official file folder marked werewolf Mm -hmm. that's news yeah oh absolutely you know because people have often said they'll they'll say well why you know why would the paper have printed that you know what made that different from anything else well we had official county um recognition of it and (laughs) you know i thought well it's something if they're if it's recognized in that file folder and people are reporting it you know there's something to it that um that we just don't really know what that is. So, um, excuse me, my, I had something go on there. I got a little distracted. But oh, what good. I found, what I found was that, um, and this is this is what intrigued me so much is when I went to look at these names and addresses. Some were people I knew, a, a couple of them. They were a very diverse group. They ranged from uh, farmers to blue collar to white collar men, women, children, um, you know, all ages, and it seemed like a pretty diverse lot for it to be hoaxers you know um it just didn't these people didn't seem like they were the type that would call and prank the local authorities and also people who do that normally don't really leave their name phone number and, and contact info exactly. to the authorities because then they can get um you know investigated for fraud or you know or who knows what so we decided it was worth looking into um my editor and I kind of joked that, oh, people would have fun and forget it in two weeks. Well, in two weeks, it had gone out on AP and gone national, much to our surprise. And 
because of that, um, I sort of became the go-to person when anything with the W word came up, uh, whether it was uh, somebody looking for a story on werewolves or, or uh, dogmen or, or what have you, or somebody who had seen one and wanted to report it, or just even to talk to somebody who wouldn't think they were crazy. You know, sure. because I don't, I don't think these people are crazy. And that's what, like I said, it's been 21 years now since this first started, actually 22 years almost, I guess. And I'm still getting reports every week from all over the country, not just Brain Road. This is, this is what I want to emphasize most. It's not just one little incident that happened 20 years ago on this one little road. It's an ongoing, widespread phenomenon that covers the entire United States, South America, and even some Euro- Canada and some European countries. See, now that's what I wanted to ask you about because you brought up a, um, you know, another notable legend, um, the, the, the Dogman, which of course is the right. Michigan Dogman. Um, now, with the beast, werewolves in general, obviously, like you said, you do not believe that this is some kind of supernatural, you know, like in the, um, what is that, the, uh, uh, an American werewolf in London. I mean, that right. looks immensely painful to me to turn yes. into something like that. But <laughs> and do you impossible. Think, yeah, completely impossible. I mean, breaking the laws of nature, physics, I mean, the whole nine yards. But um, with this creature, like the Michigan Dog Man or the Beast of Bray Road, do you think that this is could be... Um, a, a relict population of, um, you know, some kind of animal like a Bigfoot. No, it's not Bigfoot. It's definitely canine. Um, very, very noticeable differences. And I, I don't blame people for thinking that because I didn't get that at first. In fact, I was looking at one of my first updates I did to that article, and I was, re- I was really because people started sending me Bigfoot reports right away at the same time. You know, and I wasn't that well versed in Bigfoot right then to really see clear, and I didn't have enough reports yet either to see clearly that these were two different animals. But as the reports have uh, come in over the years, and I've been able to compare them, and more importantly, witness sketches, it's really obvious that one is an ape or a primate, and the other is a canine. Um, and whether it's the Beast of Bray Road, the Michigan Dog Man, the Louisiana Lugaroo, the Rougarou, or any of the other many, many names that this same thing goes under, um, the the descriptions are pretty consistent. Would you like me just to describe quickly what almost everybody reports? Absolutely. So, so we know what we're talking about well. Yes. These are almost always described as between five and seven feet tall on their hind legs. Mm-hmm. Um the, the fur color does not go out of the normal range that you'd find in any sort of wild wolf pack. Usually it's dark brown and shaggy, which leads me to think that this may be some kind of hybrid dog wolf. But people will describe the heads as being like a German shepherd or a wolf. I hear that over and over and over with upright pointed ears on top of the head. Um, a long muzzle, noticeable fangs. Um, if there's enough light, they can usually discern the normal canine eye, uh, eye shine color, which is, uh, ranges from yellow to golden to yellow green. And mm-hmm. people will always describe them as running on their toe pads, like a, or toe pads, like a dog. They'll say, it was running really easily. But it was on its tippy toes, and its legs were bent backwards. And what everybody means when they say the legs were bent backwards is 
because they run on their toe pads, um, what we would consider the heel and ankle joint, you know, in the canines it would be called the hock joint, is way up off the ground, not down on the ground where we're looking. Where, and where it appears is where we're expecting to see a forward-bending knee. Right. Now, with the, with the big foot, you will. You'll see that forward-bending knee and the flat foot. But with the dog man, uh, you'll see it on the toe pad and a little skinny, you know, lower part of the of the leg because it's really, you know, what would be analogous to our foot bone. Um, and it, it also normally has um, muscular thighs and muscular upper arms that are sometimes mistaken for uh, muscular shoulders, but they're not true shoulders. It's just that I believe I believe that the upper arms get strengthened and, and more muscular because people often see these things using their fore, forelimbs or arms to carry rather heavy chunks of deer or roadkill or um, other things. So they're they're using them for in ways that they're not intended to be used. Right. And, and I wanted to ask you about that. Now, when you talk about the arms and the hands, I mean, I, I've heard, you know, differing reports on this. I've heard that, you know, their, their, their hands seem very um, paw-like. But I've also heard that they appear to have, you know, uh, five fingers on their hands and the, the the opposable thumbs. No, that's not 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 in the reports that I get. There's a okay. lot of confusion about that uh, for several reasons. Um, one is that the the creatures are everybody who gets a good look, unless it's one of the small minority that fall into what I call the supernatural group. Um, just they'll say distinctly it had paws and you okay. could see that there were claw marks at the end of the paws and that it it didn't have an opposable thumb you know it's a canine print um, and the one the footprints that we have found do bear this out there they look like large dog or large wolf prints and occasionally there will be um, an additional indentation when the creature is uh, makes the track by springing and it kind of leans back and that hock section sinks into the mud too it's taken me it took me a while to figure all of this out as well you know maybe i'm just not the sharpest uh on the block or or i you know it would probably have helped if i'd had a biology or or a zoological degree but Mm -hmm. um they're they're definitely canine shaped um paws with claws that it has now the the reason that i think there's a lot of confusion is because in many tv shows um, they will confuse the two. And this yeah. even happened in the Monster Quest, the first Monster Quest episode that I was on called American Werewolf, which is based on my book, Hunting the American Werewolf. Mm-hmm. And in that case, um, I was. Br- they asked me just to bring people from this one particular locale who had seen either Bigfoot or, th- or the creature, and I thought they were going to make uh, a point of you know, describing the difference between them, but instead they blended them all in and gave all the witnesses polygraph tests. But the polygraph expert asked, the, didn't say, "Did you see a Bigfoot or a Dogman?" He said, "Did you see a furry, upright creature?" So it could have been either one. So some right. of these people are describing things that weigh 500 to 700 pounds and have hands with opposable thumbs and you know, broad, flat teeth. Um, no ears visible, that sort of thing. They're clearly describing Bigfoot. And then the other descriptions um, are describing Dogman. And so people who watch this hear the Bigfoot descriptions and blend those in not knowing. Uh, I understand. Yeah, and I found also 
uh, there are a lot of places on the internet. You know, if you Google Beast of Bray Road, you'll get eight bajillion entries of uh, where people are fo- are listing monsters or different uh, cryptozoology things. And you'll come to the Beast of Bray Road, and a lot of times I can just tell which TV program they watched to get that entry. So can I, Linda. <laughs> so can I. There you go. But with ghosts, of course. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me let me ask you this. Um, okay. So from from where we're coming from, where you're coming from right now is is that this is a creature um, that is completely of the natural world, correct? Um, I don't claim to know. You know, okay. I think that there's a strong argument to be made for that case. And that's strictly based on the reports that I get. If I go strictly by the reports that I receive, probably well over 90% of them can fill this category or fit into this category of something that is behaving unnaturally, walking around unnaturally, but that's not a supernatural um, behavior. Any canine, if motivated or trained to... um, can walk on its hind legs or run on its hind legs. And that's what really freaks people out. There, there's a little more to it where it gets kind of spooky and you don't know if it's a subjective thing on the part of the witnesses or an actual thing. But a lot of people do feel that when they look at this thing, it's looking back at them and it's trying to sort of emote this feeling of superiority. Um, and sometimes they translate that even into a message. Like one woman said, I felt it was telling me in in thought language of some kind that it could jump on my car if it wanted to. Or another one told me, and she ab- absolutely broke down crying as she relived this feeling of it telling her this, that if I told anybody that I saw it, it would come and get me. You know, that kind of thing, which is um, you know a- an unusual feature, but again, you can't, prove that it isn't subjective you know to the witness and it's it's not or overtly supernatural um on the other hand there's there are a small percentage of cases where people have seen something sort of transforming materializing dematerializing um doing things that we would consider supernatural uh, but i i don't really know um i don't claim to know what either one of those things are Right. The natural or the supernatural, and that was going to be my next question. Um, from what I understand, the you know, of course, we would you know, not only do we want to cover you know the natural part of it, but we also want to on the show we also want to cover the supernatural part of it too. Because I mean, let's face it, you know, a lot of uh, werewolf legends have uh, are just wrapped up in in the supernatural or the preternatural, um, which is more of you know like black magic or whatever. Right. From what I understand, though, that there. What I've what I've heard, what I've read, that there was um, a number of places that were found that did seem to show that there was some sort of ritual, um, like magic that was happening, and some people thought perhaps this beast was a product of this. Could you could you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, um, you know, I I don't pretend to understand what's possible from ritual magic and what isn't. That's kind of a very esoteric study but sure. um, there, are, there are several different schools of thought now I'll, I'll address the, mut- the, the uh, mutilation stuff first because there were some rumors going around at the, back in the early 90s that um, there had been some mutilated animals found but um, s- there was 
really not much out at Bray Road. The ones that were found were around different parts of the country, excuse me, county. One was uh, quite a distance away south of of, uh, Lake Geneva. Another one was in the northern part. And for the most part, what was found were um, garbage bags that had been buried with dogs that, uh, according to the animal control officer that I'd worked with, because this was another thing that they were trying to to uh, expose at the time, um, either racing dogs that had been um, weren't weren't uh, earning their keep and, and had been gotten rid of, or the other one was there were a few somewhat illegal operations going on where people were selling dog meat. And so you would have these carcasses, you know, that had the desirable parts carved off of them. So um, to my satisfaction, that pretty much explained what was going on in in that sort of term at at that time. There was a house nearby that uh, people were saying, well, satanic worship was going on. It wasn't on the road, but it was an old semi-abandoned farmhouse not not, not too far away. And people that I knew had been in it, and uh, I I actually had had a chance to tour it at one time myself, um, said that what was in there just looked like pretty much like high school kids dabbling around, drinking beer, lighting some black candles, that kind of thing. You know, there was no real evidence of any kind of black magic going on, you know, nothing that that you could prove. So um, that probably is, while it's possible in my mind, the the least likely. There are several other avenues, and uh, I, I think the most likely would be the native shaman type of um, so-called transformation, which most people would recognize the term Navajo skinwalker. There are also yes. just skin changers. Most uh, Native American tribes, North and South America, um, have shamans or medicine men who spend all their lives learning this process, uh, sometimes psychotropic drugs are used to enhance it, of um, seeming to transform into animals. And um, what I, I think that these are probably more related to the Tibetan tulpa, which is a thought form. Now, it sounds very simple, but it, it really isn't. It, but it's basically a thought form that the person has learned to make so concrete that it can materialize outside of the body, outside of the mind, and go about and kind of do its own thing. And right. th- and it could be something that envelops the medicine person as a, kind of like a, um, a spirit animal suit or can just go out and do things separately. There are several different kinds. And where we have the more supernatural type of things, um, that's what I believe is going on. Now, the Bray Road reports, none of them sounded like these supernatural things. Even to this day, I haven't had one that sounds that has red eyes instead of the green, or that you know has the hands or materializes or dematerializes. They're almost always of the usual kind, which is either seen running across the road or hunched over a, a chunk of roadkill by the side of the road, or I actually had one um, not on Bray Road, but not too far, just this past February 20th, that I haven't really publicized at all yet because it's being investigated, mm-hmm. um, where a, a farmer saw one running across his field chasing a coyote about 3 a.m. He just happened to be outdoors, okay. and he said he had never believed in this 
you know, in all this, all these years since it first came out, but now he did because there's this thing that even hunched over running on its hind legs was at least five feet tall with long shaggy fur, exactly the same description that everybody else gave. And it was just chasing this crazed looking coyote and coyotes can run pretty fast. And the coyotes on all fours and this thing is on just its hind legs. Right. And he had a very good look at it and, you know, was kind of frightened out of his wits. But again, you know, it wasn't doing anything. It wasn't dematerializing. It wasn't flying. Um, not to say that there aren't sometimes things like weird lights out there in that region or other regions where these things are seen, UFO sightings, that kind of thing. But the creature itself normally, you know, isn't, isn't displaying supernatural characteristics. Right. Now, some people have speculated that, um, that this creature might actually be a, um, um, well, a, a member of, a, of an extinct a species of wolf called the dire wolf. Uh, they called it the Shunka Warakin. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the, the Shunka Warakin is a um, kind of a separate um, Native American legend. The dire wolf is an actual animal that lived, and it was different looking than these creatures. It had a much bigger jaw. It was made to crunch large bones. Um, had sort of a hyena-shaped body, and there are times when I'll get a description that sounds occasionally almost like that, but um, by and large, the creatures that are reported to me sound more like modern wolves or wolf-dog hybrids. They don't sound like these um, these dire wolves, which have just different builds than, than people are describing. So, to, and to me, you don't... Be, the other thing is... You don't have to go back to something that is extinct because the dire wolves had no more evidence that they walked on their hind legs than these creatures. If the dire wolves had been bipedal, then I would say, well, yeah, okay, there we have some, something that was bipedal here, you know, and maybe they passed that on or a few of them survived, but they weren't bipedal. So why do you go look at something that doesn't totally resemble the creature and was not bipedal? It doesn't, to me, it does nothing to solve the mystery. Correct. Yeah, it's a, a funny funny story, too. Um, right about the time that the Beast of Bray Road was going on, we were living in Round Lake Beach at the time. I don't know if you're familiar with that area. Yeah, I am. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, we were uh, we were living in that area at the time, and uh, my mom got up one morning, and uh, we had this big pond, or it was like an, like an offshoot of, of, of Round Lake Beach Beach right behind her house. And um, she woke us all up screaming. She's like, oh, my God, you have to come and see this. Uh, she said that I just saw a wolf on mm. the other yeah, on the other side of this pond or, you know, offshoot of the lake or whatever. And um, it was in the middle of winter. There was snow. She said that it was like a grayish white. And she watched it for a minute and it like looked at her and then it just wandered away. Now, from what I understand is, is there are no there have really been no wolves in this area for well over a century well that's not entirely correct there have been no wolf established wolf populations okay but that doesn't mean that we don't have individuals wandering through now and then which which we do you know and the dnr has has uh, verified this we we not only have uh, wolves we have uh, mountain lions. In fact, there was one in my own backyard last October. It almost mm-hmm. attacked my husband. Um, 
we have elk, we have bears, not populations, but wanderers through. And, stragglers. Uh, yeah, stragglers. And yeah. southern Wisconsin, and right down through that southern Illinois, uh, southern Wisconsin, Illinois border, um, there seems to be kind of a trail that things follow. And so the, that uh, border has been a hotline I've noticed from almost day one, um, that things seem to creep along that border and make their way over to um, north, you know, almost to Lake Michigan and then down into Illinois and around through the Great Lakes and some sure. as far as, as uh, up in upstate New York. So um, it, just because you don't have the populations doesn't mean you don't have the individual animals. And I've had wolves sighted on Bray Road, gray wolves. They don't sound much like the, the beast, mm-hmm. um, but I may even have one on a trail cam. I'm still trying to get it verified. So um, I have a kind of an ongoing observation thing going on out in a nearby area. So there is a distinction between the two. Between between like a regular wolf and with this this creature that people see, there 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 is a distinction between the two. Well, most eastern wolves or gray wolves, timber wolves, um, probably most of them have the light gray, shorter fur. But if you look at a pack, you'll often see many with the dark brown fur, and often it's longer and shaggier. And um, recent genetic studies into the wolf genome show that wolves, wild wolves with this fur coloration often will have a more recent introduction of wolf genetic material um, than the other wolves in the pack. And I'm not talking like just, you know, recent mating, but but maybe thousands of years ago, but still later than than, uh, when the the two first separated and became sort of different species. There's even argument as to whether they are different species or not. But I have had people report seeing upright wolves or dogmen with the shorter gray fur too, you know, right. and like I said, they vary the same amount that you would expect a normal wolf pack to vary. Uh, it's just that most of them, most of the reports do seem to uh, center on the dark brown to black, slightly shaggier fur. Okay, yeah, for me, I, I with me, I've always had a fascination with wolves. Um, I considered a wolf to be my totem animal. Um, mm-hmm. I just have an affinity for them. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're graceful. They're they are. They're elegant. You know, they're they're a wonderful creature. Um, you know, to I, I kind of want to get away from before we go to break. I want to talk a little bit about you know this before break and and when we come back as well. Um, mysterious places in in Wisconsin. Um, there is a plethora of <laughs> <laughs> mysterious places in Wisconsin. Thank you. And I've been to a couple of them. Um, recently, I well I'm. I'm actually involved in the uh, uh, filming of a documentary uh, called The Ghost Tapes 2. And uh, we did a we did an investigation and a filming at um, uh, Mary Sutherland's, um, her restaurant, the uh, Sci-Fi... Um, Sci-Fi Cafe. Uh, Sci-Fi One of my Cafe. favorite spots in Burlington, Wisconsin. Yeah. I love that place. Um, one thing that we didn't get to go do is we didn't get to go to the, uh, to the ferry trail. Because mm-hmm. I, it, it had been snowing, you know. This was right. just maybe about a month or two ago. Now... When it comes to, uh, well, I've, I I have been there too, but we didn't get a chance to do the filming there. I was there. Uh, uh, we took a walk through when I was with a, a much different group back then. I won't get into that, but um, we took a walk through, and they wanted to try and disprove this place because, I mean, let's face it, the photographs that are taken there are 
on this trail in this forest, they are they're they're wild. I mean, it's I, I don't even know how to talk about this. Do you think? Do you believe that this is definitely like a window area for strange beings to come through? And even even just southern Wisconsin as a whole, there seems to be so many different uh, UFO sightings and uh, people seeing strange creatures. Do you think that you know southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois is a window area for high strangeness? Well, yeah, I, I do, and I think somebody left the windows wide open <laughs> at some point. Yeah, in fact, yeah, they did. In one of my books, um, let's see, is it The Michigan Dog Man um, or Hunting the American Werewolf? I can't remember exactly which one. I discovered what I call the 13 square miles, uh, a square of weirdness that mm-hmm. is centered in Jefferson, Wisconsin, and goes extends extends out to cover part of the Kettle Moraine. Within just that 13 miles, I've got Bigfoot sightings, Dogfoot sightings, Big Bird sightings. Um, it encompasses part of Aztalan State Park, the mysterious um, South American-looking pyramids made by the Been Mississippians. There. Yeah, beautiful, it's crazy. Beautiful. It, it's a, that is one of my top favorite places. Yeah. Um, it has also the um, uh, St. Coletta Institute where you had the weird incident with the, the creature on the burial mound saying Gadara. Uh, mm-hmm. Many mound formations of, of lots of types. And all this is within this one, and, and it's measure, you can see there's something on each of the corners and something in the center. And there probably could be many other zones of extreme weirdness in southern Wisconsin. Um, I don't know why it is, but southern Wisconsin actually has something like over 90% of all the world's ancient animal-shaped effigy mounds. There are a few in some other states. Ohio has its serpent mound. A few here and there, but most of them are in southern Wisconsin. We also have most of I mean, just we're just swamped with creatures of all kinds, and I've I've noticed some correlations to these uh, mounds in some cases. Yeah, um, for the last couple of years, uh, my my wife and uh, my wife uh, our, and our son and I we um, we've gone up to um, Rock Lake. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's you know it's a really interesting story you know concerning the uh, the, the apparently there's a lake monster there, and Rocky. my brother. Rocky, yeah, my brother-in-law actually says that he saw him once, like swim. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So I saw this, like the snake, like fish creature, just sort of like pop its head up and then dive back down and then went underneath their boat and disappeared. But that's not the only weird thing that's going on at Rock Lake. Um, can you tell can t- tell us about the pyramids? Well, Rock Lake has been um, examined. It's actually been on quite a few TV shows. Um, over the years because um, it's very murky and people can't always see them. But there are formations in the bottom of the lake that mm-hmm. appear to be, uh, that, appear, that are pyramidal in shape. And the big question is whether they are man-made or natural structures. Well, personally, I don't know of any lakes in Wisconsin which have naturally formed pyramids all over the bottom of the, of the lake. Sure. And the the reason the other reason that makes the natural formation uh, idea a little suspect is that um, it's very adjacent to Aztalan, yeah, which was as I said a, a, a Mississippian outpost. Um, if anybody's familiar with the, the better known and larger Cahokia in mm-hmm. down in Illinois, 
um, this is very similar, and it has it had the the stepped pyramids, uh, one one dedicated to the sun, one to the moon. Um, there was evidence of, uh, you know, that things were laid out according to um, celestial purposes. Uh, you had unusual burials. These people were clearly different than the other Aboriginal people in the area at the time. They had a huge stockade fence around it. Yeah. And why, you know, do you think it's just coincidence that this place of, of uh, pyramids, ancient, that and the people who built them were gone before um, the people remaining when the settlers came could even remember who, who they were or, you know, what they were about. But right. here you have this place of pyramids and then the adjoining nearby lake has pyramids on the bottom. You know, that just always has seemed to me a little suspect. Well, it does seem a little suspect to me as well. I mean, obviously, because you know, ninety-degree right angles really don't um, appear in nature exactly. and are naturally forming. But these things do appear that way. Um, last year, when we were up at Rock Lake, um, we're going again this year, and I, I love it. It's a beautiful spot, and of course, because I'm a gigantic Uber para nerd, that uh, you know, it's got a lot of neat stuff. <laughs> but we we went to Aztlan, and uh, it's it's a beautiful place. And I, you know, I kind of wanted to talk a, a little bit about that um, when we come back from break. But I just wanted to go on break with this. When we were there, um, my son—he was two years old at the times—he seemed absolutely terrified. Hmm. He did not want to be there. Um, and of course, I'm not going to, you know, take my kid into a dangerous spot. You know, even if dad is, you right? Know, if even if dad is who he is. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about the Aztalan State Park because, from what I understand, is it's very haunted. Oh yeah, in lots of ways, and yeah, I, yeah. I have an interesting little story I can tell you. Okay, great. So I think what we're going to do is is uh, we're you know we're hitting on the uh, top of the hour here, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to you know pay some bills. We're going to you know do some ads, and uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking with Linda Godfrey more about. Um, Wisconsin, Southern Wisconsin and the, the incredible mysteries that are there. So everybody stick around and we'll be right back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. Hey everyone, Chucky G here. Come join me on my show, In The Radio, where we talk with guests on everything from ghosts to cryptids. Starting from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern, come into the zone and have some fun. Right here on the Hazy Radio Network. While cutting molding with a 12-inch dual compound miter saw, while holding a newborn baby in your arms, when face-to-face with a congregation of alligators, with the ball in your hands and the entire freaking season on the line. There are a million places you'd never consider texting. So parents, why would you do it while driving? NASCAR driver Casey Kane here, asking you to please stop the text, and together we can stop the wrecks. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Get the message at stoptextstoprex.org.
This is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. I am your host, Rick Hale. Um, the song that you heard right before we came back uh, was by a band called Private Earth. Uh, you know, pretty rocking tune. Uh, for the last 45 minutes or so, we've been talking to um, author and um, well, werewolf expert of wisconsin linda godfrey uh thank you linda so much for sticking around for another segment sure it's been fun yeah very much so yes um now before we went on break we uh, we touched on astolin state park um talking about how my son was seemed very terrified being there mm-hmm. um now it's a very haunted place um Let's, you know, I, I also want to cover one other place in southern Wisconsin that uh, you know has kind of a funny name, and you know people giggle about it when I tell them about it. But with Aslan State Park, 
have what, what, what kind of spiritual entities have people experienced there? Well, it sort of runs the gamut. Um, people do often say it's haunted, and I, I have quite a bit. I'll just mention off off the cuff here in my book Weird Wisconsin that I co-authored with Richard Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big article on it and an example of the kinds of things people see. And a lot of people feel peace or happiness, um, you know, strong, positive feelings. But others feel, here was one group that wrote in, after an hour we were dizzy, nauseous, lightheaded, um, with headaches. We all had odd ringings in our ears and then um, got feelings of death, suffering, and torture, <laughs> you know. So wow. evident- <laughs> evidently, yeah, there were some heavy things. There may there have been signs found, you know, in the archaeological digs of possible ritual cannibalism, not, not the kind where people regularly devoured one another, but... Um, kind of a common ritual, you know, you eat the enemy's heart, that kind of thing. Um, right. So so that is there. But um, I did a couple, of, well, the year before last, I think it was, I met a professor at a college that I, where I was giving a lecture um, who, after everything was over, she took me aside and said, you know, I play the flute, and I like to play the more um, ethnic, natural flutes, like the pan flute, and sure. She once was, she talked her husband into going to Aztalan and sat on top of one of the cone-shaped mounds. These are not burial mounds, but they're, they sort of stand like sentinels as you enter the park there. And she said, as we were sitting on the, the, uh, the cone, um, playing, she was playing her, her tune, and both she and her husband saw figures of ancient Native Americans materialize right in front of them, right in front of them. Not just her, but the husband. They were not smoking anything or drinking, and it was daylight. This was not a nighttime thing. So in broad daylight, they see these materializations. And I've heard other similar stories from um, places where these mounds have uh, been disturbed and are uh, regularly visited by people, such as... Lake Lawn Lodge on Delavan Lake, which isn't mm-hmm. all that far away. It's in uh, Walworth County. Um, the restaurant of that lodge was built over a burial, a massive burial ground, and has been considered haunted since day one. They found tons of arrowheads. There were other burial mounds all over the adjoining golf course, and in some of those burials were found eight-foot-tall um, skeletons with double rows of teeth, and on each of their their um, upper and, and lower yes, chompers I've there, that. yeah, and this it's the same thing. People have told me they've uh, stayed there and gone out to see the lakeshore at night, and they can hear tom toms beating and ritual singing that you know sounds just like the the Native American chanting. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you you may have these strong preserved presences in the places where there were very active uh there's very active mound activity in many spots around southern wisconsin yeah it's um uh, and it, even even just you know alone like you know rock river oh, excuse me rock lake um you know you have astalin and then you also have the effigy mounds too and I, right. it just it just seems that this place is almost a uh, a perfect storm of spiritual activity um do you think that this is like the spiritual activity is what is maybe bringing um alien visitors here or or or, or is it something else 
Well, you know, it's it's hard to say, uh, you know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg. But um, I would say that the Native American people were probably very sensitive to the geographical and geological features of this land. Um, Wisconsin is extremely blessed with water. It yes. has a number of lakes, such as Devil's Lake, which is um, a very unusual sort of geological formation. Um, it has, I think, a, a hundred a hundred miles of um, an unusual type of red quartzite. Quartz, mm-hmm. you know, is a type of crystal that enhances um, electromagnetic energy. That run, it's it runs in a ridge. It's called the Baraboo Ridge, right across the the center of the state. You've oh, been got there n- the, numerous times. Numerous. Times yes, now. it's fa- it's fantastic. You've got the Kettle Moraine State Park where you have. You know, just so many, many, many acres of these unusual deep scoop depressions that were left by the last glacier. You've got a part of the state that is unglaciated, that's wild with these ravines and cliffs bordering the Mississippi River. Um, it's a, People think of Wisconsin and they imagine this cow pasture. And nothing could be further oh. from the truth. You know, you've got the millions of acres of northern woods in the the Shawamigan State Forest, forest and and others. It's Wisconsin is really a wild ride, geologically and geographically speaking. It's a beautiful state. Um, we, uh, m- my wife and I, and uh, her family, we we spend quite a lot of time up in Wisconsin. In fact, you know, going to the Dells or going to Rock Lake. I mean, it's. Sometimes I joke with people because I'm, you know, from I'm, I'm like a native to Chicago. You know, Wisconsin is Illinois hat. And sorry, no offense, <laughs> but you know, it's it's you just don't, a, you don't know sure. what you don't want to know what we call people from Illinois. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of I can't repeat it on air. I don't personally, <laughs> but I know some people who do. No, I know, but I mean, no, Wisconsin really is. Um, it, it's it's a really beautiful uh, state. It has, it has a lot of wildlife, a lot of diversity, and of course, it also has a lot of supernatural and paranormal activity. And before we end, I, I wanted to cover one more place. And when I tell people about this, that that they're not they're for, you know from out of state or they're not from this area, that we have a place you know up in Wisconsin called the Bong Recreation. Now, of course, they automatically go, "Oh, is that a place where people go and smoke weed?" And it's like, no, it's an actual, you know, it's. <laughs> It's a forested well, at area. One time, at one time, it was. At, you know, well, sure. at, at one point, um, the the large tunnel um, formations that go under the entire area after the Air Force Base was closed and before those tunnels were sealed up um, was quite the local teenage party place. For right. I understand from people who have uh, who lived around there. So obviously, but it, it obviously, presumably, it did not get its name from people smoking weed up there. It was no, uh, it no, it was named after um, World War II ace Richard I. Bong. That was his real name, B O N G. And there's a, a beautiful heritage center where um, they recreated the South Pacific Islands that he used to, the sort that he used to fly around. Um, they've got a recently restored um, P-38 Lightning that he had flown, uh, nicknamed Marge, after his wife. And um, I couldn't put some of the really interesting stuff in the Weird Wisconsin book, but, um, yeah, those ha- those tunnels are supposed to be haunted, and they are extensive, and they do run, although they're sealed up now and you can't get in them, um, they do un- run under most of the, what is now a nature preserve and you can go and enjoy the recreational area it's a beautiful park 
um, and just kind of think about what's lurking beneath your feet. Sure. But it, and it's not just about things that could possibly be lurking underneath your feet. It's things that are also flying above your oh, head. Oh, UFOs. Right. It's, yes. very, it's very much known for UFO sightings. Um, and it makes you wonder if there was some connection between the Air Force Base um, and all those tunnels and the UFOs. You know, who knows what that connection may have been. But um, southern Wisconsin, though, in general, does have a lot of uh, of uh, UFO sightings. Right. Well, like I was telling, you know, we were saying about, you know, visiting with uh, Mary Sutherland. Um, that was one of, that's one of the things that she seems to be the most proud of apart from the uh, fossilized finger that she showed us which you're like <laughs> that looks like a finger all right but uh, yeah. yeah she uh, and also the she also showed us a, a rock too where i mean it's like you can bang on it and sure enough there's that one area right there in the rock that does sound like it's hollow mm-hmm. but she did seem she was, she was very proud of her collection but she seemed to take a, a great deal of pride in um in the ufo um sightings that have been seen all the clippings and stuff um there's there's something about southern Wisconsin that it just seems to call on ghosts, seems to call on UFOs, seems to call on um, werewolves. Um, but now let me ask you this: because of there being um, this being a hot spot of UFO activity, is it also is it also not speculated that the Beast of Bray Road could in fact be an well an alien visitor? Well, I actually had um, a remote viewer who was trained by the U.S. government and used to do that for them uh, contact me. I wrote about this in Hunting the American Werewolf Mm -hmm. because I like to include every possible theory, whether or not I believe in it. I think people should be exposed to the whole gamut of thought and then be able to make up their own minds. And this man um, had looked at the composite sketch that I called the indigenous dogman, which is what I drew up to represent um, sort of a, a, a forensic sketch of what most people describe this thing as looking like. So he used that as his concentration point and, point and went in and remote viewed it. And what he came up with was that these creatures are sort of uh, intergalactic scouts, if you will, that they've been here on this Earth as observers mostly, which is uh, why it's, it solves one big mystery, which is that out of all the close encounters people have had that have reported to me in 22 years, I've never had anybody um, feel that or, or actually be injured or hurt by them. They always will threaten, dominate, um, terrorize, and then run off into the nearest cover, whatever it was. And that's because they're waiting their time until uh, some invasion occurs and then they're in place. And that's what he felt they were. Um, some people just feel that's that they're... pretty scary. It is. It's very scary. <laughs> Other people feel they're just more uh, connected somewhat with, with UFOs. In fact, um, my friend Nick Redfern was uh, I'm w- anxiously waiting for um, a report he had found um, that, that seems to link werewolf-like creatures and, and UFOs. And, of course, there have been quite a few people who have claimed Bigfoot and the UFOs are related. So if you have one, you could have the other, I suppose. Um, But again, yeah, since since there's still so much dissension over exactly what UFOs are, uh, we're not even sure if they are from other planets or other timelines or even the interior of our own Earth or underwater, as many people think. Some people even think the UFOs themselves are living creatures that might morph into Bigfoot 
or werewolves. I mean, there's so you can just pick your own theory, which you know, what, whatever you want. But I find that an interesting one because um, the the place that I've been um, assisting with ever uh, a, a homeowner with observations on for some time um, does show a lot of strange light phenomena that we can't explain. Um, in in any normal way, and the light phenomena do often seem to show up, whether or not they look exactly like UFOs. Sometimes they just appear to be a bunch of bright lights in the tree line or something like that. Um, right. But there 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 may be some connection, but it's unprovable in my mind. Yeah, well, we we had Nick on the show. Um, oh God, I think it was maybe two years ago. He's great. Uh, Oh, he's a super guy. I mean, it was a, yeah. it was probably one of the most fascinating interviews that I've ever done. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. We did uh, we did touch on that a little bit. We touched we on the be. beast, and oh yeah, we touched on the beast. We touched on um, Bigfoot. We touched on you know Men in Black. We touched on everything. I mean, probably one of the most knowledgeable individuals I have ever ever had the pleasure to speak to. Oh, he is. Yeah, very much so. So, well, Linda. Unfortunately, though, um, we have come to the point of our show that we like to call shameless self-promotion corner and we're all about shameless self-promotion here at paranormal underground radio so this is your time to uh plug sell whatever you want to talk about um books any appearances on you know future appearances on television documentaries websites go for it thank you well my main website is lindagodfrey.com and you can go there and uh, find out. I've got a blog. I've got um, a books and bio page where you can find a list of all my books and uh, which ones are in, most of them are still in print. Um, I have a debut fantasy novel called God Johnson about um, an aging demigod who imitates Abraham Lincoln so he can better get disciples. And it's set in Madison, Wisconsin, if you're a Wisconsin fan. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a whole page on, on lindagodfrey.com devoted to that. Um, most of my books are available widely on the internet, either, you know, on any of the Amazon, Barnes and Noble, that kind of thing. Um, I'm in the process of updating my calendar that's on there right now. It should be reflecting things better very soon. But um, I am going to be at the Omer Library in Michigan in September. And um, once you know, I don't have that right in front. That will be that will be on the um the the calendar and i'm very excited i've got a new book coming out from tartar penguin uh my most recent one had been real wolfmen true encounters of modern america and the new one coming out is american monsters history lore and sightings of monsters in america and this runs the whole gamut and i really had to get into lots of areas where i haven't explored in depth such as the the big bird phenomenon and that sort of thing and i was absolutely shocked at how many weird flying things there are around in the skies over north and south america both sure. and how many other things there are. but that's coming out in august and you can just watch lindagodfrey.com follow me please on twitter that's where i post the most but i also have pages on facebook and you can find the links to those at my website as well well, that sounds like a full plate. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that's, that, that sounds That should great. do it. That should do it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Linda, for being a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio. I mean, I, I, in all honesty, I hate when they go this fast because I barely feel like we scratch the surface with you. And I'm really hoping that maybe you will come back on again someday. I would love to. Well, maybe I can come back um, 
after the new book comes out and we can talk about the monsters in America. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to. We would be more than happy to have you back on. So, everybody, you've been listening to Linda Godfrey, um, fantastic author, very knowledgeable about cryptids, uh, UFOs, and even spirits in southern Wisconsin. And um, so, thank you very much again, Linda, for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. It, w- it was my pleasure. And by the way, that's September 30th in Omer, Michigan. Okay. I just happened to notice. And. Uh, just keep keep an eye on my calendar. There'll be all kinds of things coming up here. All right, fantastic. Okay, thank you so much again, Linda. Have a great evening. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, Cheryl. Hello. Hello. Kind of makes you want to visit uh, Southern Wisconsin or Northern Illinois now, doesn't it? It does. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we definitely have a uh, you know, and she's right though. I mean, it's like yeah. we're, she's we're the flyover state, so of course we sort of get left out <laughs> quite a bit. But we do have a lot of weirdness that goes on around here. Yeah, seriously. And uh, I know you've written a couple of articles for the mag- Paranormal Underground magazine about the weirdness you have there. But yeah, yeah, it feels like maybe we just scratched the surface. So. Oh, absolutely. I'm really hoping that we can get Linda back on again because there's just so much more to talk about, Um, especially even with just Native American legends concerning these Mm -hmm. creatures and uh, and UFOs. Um, There's there's there there are dozens of legends concerning this. Yeah. Yeah. So we we definitely need to uh, invite Linda back uh, after her next book is out and keep the conversation going. Yeah. So but what? What are your thoughts about it? Do you think that there that there could be a that that there is a connection between the between Native Americans that lived in that area and you know maybe them being in contact with these things? I think it's definitely possible. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 really hard to to say for sure what's going on. But there's so many different theories that honestly, I think any of them could be possible. Right, you know, I think that it's interesting that you brought up how it, yeah, at Astaland, um that there was some kind of um, showed that there was a you know ritualistic cannibalism or um, you know going on, and it reminds me too that a lot of people from some of the things that I've read that they do believe that there is a connection between the Aztecs mm-hmm. and the Astalans or the Mississippian people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aztec Astalan, you know, they had very similar. Um, social structures, very similar rituals, very similar religion. Um, it's quite possible that they are somehow related, or yeah. in fact, could be early Aztec. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, what do we have coming up here on Paranormal Underground in the next few in the in the coming weeks? Well, next week we're actually going to be airing a pre-recorded interview, and this will be aired on May eighth. It's an interview that you did with Rob Demarest a few weeks ago. Yeah, great guy. I mean, you know, yeah. it was so great having that kind conv- of, you know, like the pre-interview conversation. Yeah. I had no idea that that guy was in the same work that I am currently in. Yeah, that's interesting. That was, in- yeah. I-, I think that our, our pre-record conversation was about as long as our record conversation, which was great. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Rob filled us in on a lot of a lot of things that he's involved in or has been involved in. Um, he talked about his his new show, Haunting Australia. He talked about being a guest investigator on Seekers. He he talked a little, very little about Ghost Hunters International. He talked a lot about investigation. And so you guys had a really good conversation. Excited to air that interview next week. Yeah, it was a great interview. 
and then the week after May 15th we have a guest actually who was on in early April so he's coming back pretty soon but we we really only scratched the surp surface with him and so we wanted to have him back on so we could kind of get that conversation back going and make a little more headway and his name is Seth Michael and he's a psychic medium and spiritual advisor he's also yeah, the co-founder co yeah co-founder of uh, white light paranormal insight based in is it Camas, Washington? I don't know how that I city believe, myself. So yeah, I believe so. Okay, and so um, that's what we've got lined up. Um, I want to remind everybody we are going on hiatus in June. We mm -hmm. will have some shows uh, airing that have been previously aired, so we'll be on, just not live, and then we'll be back live in July. Yeah, you know, I, I know this sounds weird. I love doing the show every Thursday night. I mean, it's yeah. been a big part of my life for the last four years. But taking a little bit of a break kind of to uh, recharge the old batteries, uh, it's really not that bad of an idea, I suppose. Yeah, after after being on the air live for several years, this is our first break. So yeah. uh, we've never done this before. But, yeah, like you said, we'll recharge and come back more excited than ever. Yeah. Yep, and that's, you know, you got to have that every now and then. Yep. Because if you don't, then things just start getting kind of tedious. I know. Yep. <laughs> but, um, so anything, you know, apart from the show, anything uh, going on with the magazine? Uh, are we ever, you know, with the, any gear guides or anything like that coming up soon? You read my mind, yes. Um, of course I did, because I'm you, psychic. Of course you did. Also. Yes, the gear guide. <laughs> there is something coming up, and it is called a gear guide, and actually there's going to be um, a gear guide slash how-to guide for paranormal investigators and mm -hmm. we're doing it a little differently so it's going to be something an, aside from the magazine so we'll be um, having that available on our website in a PDF form mm -hmm. uh, people can get it there or they can go to our app on Apple or Google Play and subscribe there and get that special I issue there there's actually going to be two issues um, like I said it's going to be broken up into a gear guide and a how-to and then, or they can wait for the book because it's going to be a book. <laughs> right. So we'll have different, yeah, different options for people and which format they would rather have. Yeah, so I would say yeah. that we definitely have some very good things coming up here soon. Yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah. And this is one of them. Um, we are, well, not so much losing a half hour as is giving a half an hour to a good friend. Um, to our sister show, In yes. the Dark Radio with, you know, a guy who's quickly becoming one of my quickly becoming a BFF and that would be uh -huh. Chuck, uh, Chuck G. Gotsky. So he Chuck definitely e. deserves it. I, I, and I do think that you would agree with that, correct, Cheryl? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chuck just, he, he really needed more time. And so I'm glad that we had a half an hour kind of built into our schedule that, to where he could take that half hour. We still get a good interview in and he can get a good interview in. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, he's, he's got a lot of, you, how, before we go off, let's, let's preview. What kind of stuff does he have that's coming up? Uh, Chuck, well, tonight, you'll, if you're listening live, you want to stick around right after we go off the air because Chuck will come on with his show, In the Dark Radio. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm trying to open my list real quick, if you can't tell. Um, he tonight, he, <laughs> Tonight, he's having <laughs> on two, two guests from American Haunts. And um, that's Dave Road and Craig Gozetti yep, from American Haunts. Uh, next week, uh, May 8th, He's having Brian Forster on to talk about elongated skulls. Okay. Uh, May 15th. But that should be mm -hmm. a fascinating show. I mean, oh, yeah. I, 
from what I guess recently that they did do some DNA tests on these skulls and found out that they're not exactly human. Yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about there. Um, yeah. So, very interesting subject. Can't wait for that one. Uh, Chris Fleming did a pre-record with Chuck, um, and he, we're going to play that on May 15th. Okay. Um, and Chris Fleming, you might know, he's a paranormal investigator, psychic medium. He's been on such shows as Dead Famous and Psychic Kids and others. He's another Chicago boy. Yep. Uh, May 22nd, uh, Chuck is having a guest on that we had on a few weeks ago. His name is Ben uh, Robison. Robison. Yeah. I never get it right. It's it's Robison. Yeah. The okay, man with the right. most fantastic beard I've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> <laughs> and he is a paranormal investigator from the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, the end of the month, May 29th, before Chuck also goes on hiatus, he will be talking with Ben Hansen from Fact or Faked, Paranormal Files. Love Ben. I mean, from, I, 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 you know, it's like you could tell when you're talking to Ben Hansen that you're getting this, the, he, that he's a straight shooter. You know, yep. you, you could tell that you're talking to a guy that, that is incredibly knowledgeable and has been sure. doing this for a long time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, he, he's been on our show tw- what, twice. Uh, three times. Well, three no, t- well, we were supposed At to have twice. three times, but something happened where he. Oh, he had a flight delay, so. right? So twice. Uh, right. But yeah, we had some good discussions with him, and um, definitely that's going to be a good show. So then Chuck will also go on hiatus and then come back live in July. But he will have some pre-taped shows running in June, so you can still come back at the regular time and hear his show. Fantastic. Well, I think that that pretty much about sums it up for tonight. Correct? It does. Awesome. So, everybody, on behalf of Paranormal Underground Radio, and uh, sorry, Karen, that you could not have been here tonight. You missed a good one. Um, have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. And, um, you know, same paranormal time, same paranormal channel. Uh, <laughs> paranormal Underground Radio at AZ. We're going to get sued for that one, aren't we? I, don't even, I didn't even hear you. I'm pretending, okay, I'm pretending we'll it like way. it didn't happen. <laughs> no, Anyways, everybody, have a good night. You heard Linda Godfrey. Um, expert on all things weird in Wisconsin. So thank you so much, everybody, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest Paranormal Underground Radio, email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at paranormalunderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. <laughs>